you so much for downloading. Welcome along to our little safe haven of oversharing. I'm Gemma Atkinson and this episode, I would say, has the most variety of any of our overshares, right? Because it's all about what caused you to veer off in life. Those curveballs that you didn't see coming that took you right off path. They're all life interruptions. So whether it's a divorce, a sudden illness, a job issue, there's a whole heap of reasons why things never go to plan. And that's what's coming up. How they affected people involved. I'm fairly sure there'll be a situation coming up in this episode that every single person can relate to. So get those AirPods comfortable, recharge that brew. We're going in again. As ever, it's perhaps not suited for younger ears. Abby Blaze is joining us once again. You all right, Abby? Yeah, very good, thank you. Good, good. She's going to be by our side to tackle the widest selection of stories we've ever had. And this is what's coming up. Anyway, I called my doctors and they were like, you need to call an ambulance. And I'm at this point, I'm still like going, really? He met my parents. We'd spent time together. We had a holiday booked. We were supposed to be going away a month after my birthday. Like there was everything, life was planned. I don't feel confident in people seeing me because I don't look like I used to look. And he basically then up and left. And that was last July and I've still not seen or spoken to him since. What? It was the best thing I have ever done, walking away from my marriage. I genuinely feel like I'm living my best life. <laughs> So our first guest is Claire. So take us back to what life was like for you before it dramatically changed. So I am, I'd say I have quite a normal life, really. I'm a mum of three children. I've got two older children and an 11-year-old. Um, I work full-time in marketing for a law firm. I am exceptionally busy. I'm a taxi service. I also um, am a trustee for a rescue as well. So quite hectic, really. Very hectic. But I'd say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, quite a normal, hectic, busy, normal household, really. And when you were forty-six, life changed for yes. you. Tell us, tell us yes. what happened. So on the twenty-fifth of September, Monday, I'd gone to work. Uh, normal day at work. Uh, had lots of meetings. Um, left at quarter past three to drive home to take my daughter to work. And on the way home, driving home, I had a stroke. Oh gosh. I didn't feel unwell. I felt my face go funny. And I was like, well, oh, that's a bit weird. It felt like I'd been to the dentist, actually, mm. um, but without the pain. Um, and I, I got home. Um, so, and, and luckily, actually, because I travel around quite a lot for my job. And uh, thankfully, on this day, I was only half an hour away from home. So I walked into my husband and I said, do you know what? My face feels really funny. And he goes, what do you mean? Your face feels funny. I went, it just feels really numb. Um, like, you know, and then I looked in the mirror um, and, you know, everyone's seen all of the posters, files and everything like that. But my right side of my face, my mouth had actually dropped. So there was a, if you'd seen me then, it actually dropped. And my husband was like, that's a stroke. And I went, don't be so stupid. I'm 46. I feel fine. It's not a problem. I'll, um, I'll take Sophie to work. And if I feel a bit funny and see how it goes on, if not, I'll call the doctors tomorrow. And he was like, I'm not sure about that, actually. I think you probably need to call somebody. And I was like, really? I don't feel, I feel fine. Anyway, I called my doctors and they were like, you need to call an ambulance. And I'm at this point, I'm still like going, really? Do, are you being serious? And she said, you found, yeah, you need to call an ambulance. Very luckily, I live quite close to the hospital. Mm. Um, so my husband said, look, we'll, we'll drive you there. Um, and it was in the car 
I then started to realize actually this is probably quite serious because that's when I started to lose all the sensation in the right side of my body. So my arms have started to go a bit funny, um, really weird tingling sensation and really heavy. Um, and then by the time I got to the hospital, my foot had also started to go funny too. Um, I've been incredibly lucky. So I'd lost the feeling on the side, the right side of my, my, my body, but from the moment I walked into A&E to actually being treated um, with the medication being assessed, being scanned was under 45 minutes. Brilliant. So for me, and actually that saved me. It has, yeah. has actually saved, saved me. Um, I've now got full sensation back in my right side in terms of all my mobility. But unfortunately, the bit that you can't see is the bit that needs time to heal. So my brain obviously has had quite a knock. Um, and that's the bit that I'm now struggling with so I can't do the things that I used to be able to do um, which is taking a bit of a while to get used to. You wouldn't think at 46 it'd be a stroke? You wouldn't know. No the most difficult part for me was actually being in hospital and being I was in hospital for uh, nearly 10 days because obviously they like to do lots of tests when you're quite young to find out what's happened Um, but you know, you're surrounded with people that, you know, quite life-changing and very, very poorly people. And I'm like, I don't feel like I should be in here. And has anyone in your family had them? Is there like a history of it? Yes. So they're thinking that's possibly one of the reasons at the moment because all my tests have come back fine. Um, So we've got history of blood clots on my side of the family and also strokes. So that is one possibility that they're looking into that it's actually maybe hereditary. And I guess as a mum, that then puts you in panic mode of, is it going yes. to be passed down from me to my kids? Yes, you know, completely like, or, you know, what happens if it is hereditary? Because obviously they're there, they could be at risk as well. And you said, obviously, it's a mental struggle now, because yeah. physically you look, you look absolutely fine. <laughs> you look fresh faced yeah. and ready to go. Yeah, but yeah. I guess if this, if this is a trauma in someone's life, Abby, that's probably the hardest thing. It's the mental side of it, which people don't, don't see other than yourself. Yeah, and it take take you some time to get used to a brand new shocking event and it's interesting that you said about denying it that's a very normal reaction of like feeling like how can this possibly be true and that's part of your process and then eventually you'll accept it and you'll be able to move forward and you'll get more used to the situation that you're in but it's it's super hard I was wondering um just from actually a personal perspective because I recently found out that I've got high cholesterol and actually yeah 62 percent of women have high cholesterol and many of them don't know about it did they is there anything like that that they've found or is it everything coming back normal everything's come back normal however they have put me on medication for my cholesterol but it, all the tests I've had so far uh, you know and as I said I have had so many tests uh, it was it was huge nothing's come back which is the bit that's a bit you know I suppose it's one of those things that you I sort of in like two minds going I really would like it to have been caused by something so it could yeah. be fixed yeah uh, so you know because you're in like this limbo bit at the moment um but no my cholesterol was fine I guess if something happens like that you don't know what, what what's caused it. You don't know if it could happen again. Is it kind of like you don't want to be on your own as much or is it just a case of you carrying on and if it happens, it happens? I go through stages because obviously for me, there's so many different things that are going on in my head at the moment because, you know, and also it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult to talk about. And I think I'm still in a little bit of denial where I'm like, it'll all be fine. It's okay. But there's lots of different things. And I go through days where it's all quite, 
fine and there's other days you're quite emotional you know you know I feel really guilty watching seeing how other people had a you know cope with a, with a stroke and actually I've come out okay you know considering what's happened um I get quite frustrated because obviously um I couldn't drive for a month I was relying on loads of different people um you know I can't do the things that I used to do I really can't because mentally my brain just says no um, and that's the bit that's really, really tough, um, you know, and actually the, the hardest thing is that actually, whilst I've been very lucky, I don't know if my brain will fully recover and I'll get back to where I was. Um, and that's taking some time to adjust to actually say I need some help um, because I'm not very good at doing that. <laughs> no, I don't think women and mums are in general. Are <laughs> no. They? I think every woman, it, it takes the fact that you were like, oh, no, it's fine. I'll just see how I am in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a typical female thing to do, I think, isn't it? Just it'll ignore it, it'll go away. My granddad was in his 80s when he had his stroke, so that's what I assume a stroke victim is, someone who's an older mm. older person, but clearly it's not. No, and actually that I think that's one of the things that surprised me was when I was in hospital, whilst the majority of people are of a certain age, actually there's a lot more people under 50 now that have had strokes. Um, so when I was in the hospital, there was probably in the ward about another four or five of us that were under 50 that had had a stroke, wow. um, which I was actually quite quite surprised about. Um, but it's more common than you think it is. And that's one of the reasons why I thought I would contribute to this, is that actually you, it doesn't matter what age you are, if you think those, you've got those symptoms, take them really seriously because that window where they can treat you is so important. I mean, and you know, if I had actually stopped and not gone in that four hour window, it might be a completely different outcome for me. Literally one minute I was fine um, and the next minute I wasn't. For me, it was the typical uh, advert. It was your face and then your arm. So it's, it's, if you see that, then take it really seriously because they won't mess around in the hospital. They'll, they, will, they will treat you as though you're having a stroke until they tell you otherwise. Yeah, and listen to your husband when they tell you to go. <laughs> That's what I'll That's need to do. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Claire. And uh, good luck with the, the recovery process. And thank, thank you, for, you for raising awareness. Thank you. So next on The Overshare, we've got Anastasia. Welcome, Anastasia. So your life interruption happened on a, a milestone birthday, didn't it? Yeah, it was my 40th birthday. So this was last July. My life was, I thought, going really smoothly, going really swimmingly. In fact, I had a great guy in my life. I've got a son. He had a daughter. The kids got on well. Um, he lived a little, while, a little way away. So we were doing long distance for a while. And then we were looking at houses. We're planning a life together. And then literally on the day of my 40th birthday party, I had this massive fancy dress party planned. I'd been planning it since I was 30. I always said for my <laughs> 40th, that. I was going to have a massive blowout. Yeah. Um, and it was all planned, a whole band, huge, huge, huge event. And we had some vague words, not even anything to do with an argument, really. Just a few, you know, tension in the morning, trying to sort out cakes and outfits and stuff. And he basically then upped and left. And that was last July, and I've still not seen or spoken to him since. What? Yeah. I know. Upped and left as in that, left... That was me. Le so left left, left. The, the, where you live, left everything, le yeah. like no yeah. trace? Nope. So he was he was staying with me at the time. Obviously, we were still, we were still doing the long, long, long distance, distance things. Yeah. He hadn't found anywhere. I'd spent the week with him, 
Um, and yeah, he literally went around the house. It blew up out of nowhere, which obviously on reflection for him wasn't out of nowhere. Um, but I, I had no clue. And then that was it. He left and got in the car. And then I think I got a handful of text messages the next day and he said he needed time and he <sighs> never, he never then got in touch. Oh so everything I thought about my life just got completely turned upside down on its head. It was just madness when I look back now. I'm trying to think if that was me. You'd be on the fence of, right, okay, something really horrendous happened to him where he has to go for either safety or to, to, to get out of a situation. Or is it just plain mean and that person you thought you knew is the complete mm. opposite to put not only you through that, but his... his child as well he was obviously enjoying your company mm. yeah, how, think, how can that happen he, now I probably should mention he had basically it was down to grief he had lost his wife oh, okay but again I mean that's his business I don't and actually what I learned was I, I can't sit and figure out all of his stuff that's what I was trying to do and I was trying to get that closure by understanding him where he was at why he would do this I almost went drove myself nuts for a little while trying to figure this out like your face then when you went uh, 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 that yes. was me for about three months because I just couldn't. However, so it was instigated. He had a reason. It was this underlying grief and a level of healing that he had never dealt with, you know, or a level of pain that he had never dealt with. So unfortunately, I don't know what happened. I don't know what triggered it. I don't know what was going on underneath the surface, but it clearly wasn't what I thought. He wasn't the man I thought he was. The relationship wasn't the relationship I thought it was. We had this whole future planned. Um, and I'd, he'd said things to me about he was so, he felt so lucky to have met me after having, you know, this, this lovely wife and this family situation that now was no more. So if anything, I was sold even more of a, like, this is incredible that we found each other. He met my parents. We'd spent time together. We had a holiday booked. We were supposed to be going away a month after my birthday. Like there was everything, life was planned. Do you think it could be a case, I mean, Abby, you're no more. With, with, with people going through grief, I know some people, they, if something's going good in their life and they've experienced such a loss, could it be a case they're so f scared it'll go wrong that they'd rather just push them away and get out of the situation rather than potentially deal with heartbreak again down the line? Or am I just playing devil's advocate for him? We can't know exactly what went on for him because he hasn't given us the answer. That is a potential answer. When we don't get closure, one of the ways of dealing with it is to think, okay, how how can I create my own closure? Because sometimes we can become fixated on the whys, the whys, why, why, yeah. why. Mm. And actually that holds us back and puts us in a position where we're powerless. So mm -hmm. if somebody disappears like that, no matter the reason, they're demonstrating the mutual love isn't really there. They're not displaying it in that yeah. moment. They're not respecting you in mm. that moment. They're not communicating with you in that moment. And they're also breaching your trust. Mm. And yeah. so that alone kind of is closure because we should have a standard of like, I need that as a bare minimum in a relationship. And if that yeah. person cannot meet that, no matter what they're going through, even if it's awful that's not good enough for me and I want something else from yeah. the relationship. And that might sound a bit brutal because I actually don't, I think he probably was going through a terrible time and probably felt guilty mm. and, you know, probably isn't the worst person in the world. But ultimately you can only deal with what's presented to you and say, is yes. that good enough for me? And if it's not, that's closure. And that's one huge life lesson is that I've now learned to get that closure within myself without having that last conversation or that explanation or the reasons. You have to find that within yourself somehow amidst all the chaos. 
And actually, it was my mum then that said to me, you know, but, or maybe give him some time. What if he gets in touch in six months? And I said exactly that, Abby. I said, but I, even if I had a conversation with him, I don't want to let that person back into my life that could do that to me. I still went ahead with the party because, again, I was like, if, if anything, it was awful. So I got absolutely smashed and was in tears by about half past nine, which everybody was expecting. But thankfully, I was surrounded by people that love me. I love so, that that all happened in fancy dress as well. <laughs> I, 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 I tell you what actually helped. I was full on Wonder Woman. There you go. I was full oh, on Wonder brilliant. Woman. You had your cape. <laughs> yeah. I had the cape. I had the boots. I had the wrist. I was I was set to go. But But actually, I'm glad in a way. And that helped the closure from exactly that reason. I was like, this man left me who said hours before that he loved me, hours before we were talking about the holiday, hours before we were talking about, you know, all of the life plans and then didn't have the decency to have a conversation. I'm glad he wasn't there. Yeah. And everyone, all your friends and family were who who love you. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. Well, not great, but how you said to your mum, you're not going to let him back because you said you've got a son. Yes. So yeah, you've done the right thing there because... It's teaching him what not to do yeah. to his partner when he gets in relationships or if he's in one now, whatever. I always think, yeah. you know, it's a lot easier to walk away and to run back to someone when you need them if you're on your own. But when you have a child, you don't want them to think that's acceptable for them either. Absolutely not. I thought I had this great life coming. And that was just probably the biggest curveball that I've been faced in my 41 years, I think. Do you feel yeah. now a year on you're out the other side and you've realised, well, you know, my life still is going to a plan, just not that one. But, you know, the, yeah. I always say the, the, the start of a finish line is the beginning of a new race and there's so much more to do without that person. Totally. And do you know what's interesting? I'm a big believer in the universe. I've got quite a deep spiritual faith. Um, I know you like your crystals and stuff. Yes. I do a lot of crystal energy and, and all sorts. So that's been hugely supportive for me. A no to one thing is a yes to something else. Definitely. And the huge things that have happened in my life Again, on reflection now at 41, you don't see it maybe when you're in your teens or your 20s, do you? You don't until you have a family or you get older and you go through this stuff. When I look back now, all of it maybe didn't happen for a reason, but I do think some things happen to put you on a different path, which probably has better things for you ahead or more productive things for you or more opportunities for you. What's I happening? feel like anyone listening to this now, it's going to be a meme of like this, the clapping just there. Yes, <laughs> yes, amen, sister. Do you know what I mean? There's going to be so many people going through breakups now, putting this back on repeat because that's amazing. Oh, the advice, so. yeah, so. amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your um, your life curveball, and good luck with no, the uh, with the rest you. of the the rest of the adventure. What awaits? Thank you very much. So Lisa's our next guest on The Overshare. Thank you for joining us, Lisa. Your life is very different now. It's actually got a different view as well, hasn't it? What happened? Yeah, very different. Um, It all started um, May 2020. Lockdown romance was what started my complete change in my life. So I met my now partner online and he lived in a different city and fast forward three and a half years, I'm now in that city with him, which resulted in the last 10 months being quite an upheaval. I took redundancy from my job of 28 years and left my hometown of 53 years to relocate to another part of the country to be with him. Oh my God. And that's... That's a risk. Obviously, it's a risk anyway. But 
I always say with lockdown, there's there's one of two outcomes, isn't there? With lockdown, it's either the back of their head annoys you and lots of people split up, <laughs> or it made people and made the relationship stronger. Was it, obviously yeah. you, you met online, so was it, how long were you chatting online before you became, you know, official in person? Uh, we were head over heels in love within a week. Mm. Took us both by surprise. I think we'd just got to the point in our lives where we were, happy being single we've both been through quite a lot because it's second time round for both of us you know we're both 53 we've both got children being divorced so we've got five children between us and sort of kind of not being apathetic but just got to the point where we were happy with our lives with our friends and kind of thought who's going to want us you know we were both thinking the same things not in a really bad negative way just that we'd been through so much and we were happy being single. And Mm. I think because we were happy being single, that was the right time to meet because we were both then in the same place and we're both really honest with each other about what our expectations were in a relationship. And I think because we were both so honest, we were able to be honest about falling quickly as well because it was complete, just completely unexpected. You're a, a you matchmake obviously for a living. Is that a, a key thing? Like what Lisa was saying is they're both in the right place. It's not just the right place at the right time. It's on a mental level. They were both completely content on their own, and then it's just kind of they say opposites attract, but sometimes it's not. It's someone on the same mm. mindset and pathway as you. It's, it's like fits perfectly. Yeah, it, actually with the opposites attract thing, it can be that you're attracted to someone that's very different from yourself. Mm. And that can be because they have something that you feel that you lack. But yeah, similarity is a stronger predictor of long-term relationship success. So being in the exact same kind of headspace and wanting the exact same things from life. And also, do you know what I love about this story is that, lockdown made dating really really difficult yeah and this is an example of yes it can be really really difficult but there are people out there that have had the same difficulties that have managed to overcome those hurdles have you always done things on a whim as in like yeah i'm going or was it a massive decision it was a massive decision i've always been very play it safe because i've had to be because i've been on my own with my children for 20 odd years been a single mum they've got a great relationship with the dad they've always seen him but it it was always just me and the two of them so it was the right time because they were older and independent and living their own lives that I could take that step but it was still a huge huge step I'd got no friends of my own that I'd made down here they're all our friends you find out who your real friends are when you move. I mean, I'm very, I don't even like it when they change items in a supermarket aisle that I'm used to. I don't yeah, think anyone likes, uh, no one so likes change. When they do yeah, that. I don't like change at all. And, um, you know, my fella, he, Gorka's from Spain, but he, he moved from his small city in Bilbao. He moved to Madrid when he was 16 and then he moved to America and he was in New York. Mm. He's lived in so many different places. And I say to him, what do you not feel like, what do you do when you need somebody? And he's like, well, you make new friends. But for me, yeah. I, I moved to a different city for a relationship years ago and I, it lasted two years and I, and I ended up moving back. But the factor for me was I never, ever felt 100% settled because the, mm. the home comforts of my mum being five minutes up the road, my sister being a 20 minute drive and my best mates from school, we all lived more or less in the same street. And I hated that feeling, but 
they all made the effort to still drive over and I made the effort to drive back. And now I'm back home, we all still live near each other. But it did make me realise, you do realise who your true friends are when they're prepared to do the journey to yeah. still get that month, you know, girls' night in and stuff. You, you realise yeah. that, I think, when moving away. Absolutely. Moving away was huge for me. And I'd lived in the same house for the last 20-odd years that I'd had my kids. So it was massive, absolutely massive. But my my friends and family, everybody was supportive because they knew it was the right decision to make with the responsibilities of my job versus his job. And do you think, Abby, Lisa's relationship, she said they had, they had a, a good couple of years of, you know, dating long distance, so to speak, before they made the initial move. Mm-hmm. Is that the best way to go, really, as opposed to, you know, if, if Lisa had moved down, you know, straight away within the first few months, it could yeah. have been different. Is it a key factor to get to know someone properly? Absolutely. So the first... 12 to 18 months, you're in the most passionate part of love, the bit where your body is producing lots of hormones, chemicals, and making you not think very rationally. And it's only until that starts to calm down that we can see the person for who they truly are. So it's better to give a relationship space, time to evolve. If you hadn't moved, the relationship is less likely to succeed. So the fact that the move happened is probably quite important. Right, yeah, that makes sense. It happened at the right time because they had all the yeah. the lovey gushy hormones and yeah. then it kind of flatlines to, okay, this is the person, I'm going to move for them. And it's still, it kind of revamps it again, I guess, because it's a new, even though you're a couple of years deep into the relationship, it's still new for both of you living together. Yeah, and it's a new new level of commitment as well. Oh, well, Lisa, thank you. I think you've given hope to so many people who've been on their own for so long that, you know, you've got your happy ending. Absolutely. It's definitely a happy ending. Thank you very much, Lisa. Enjoy the rest of your day and thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Lovely. Thanks very much. Thank you. Rihanna is our next guest on The Overshare. And Rihanna's life interruption, it came around 10 years ago. And this is this is a massive, massive curveball. Talk us through what happened, Rihanna. I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2012 and then things escalated and I started feeling really poorly. Um, headaches, but they were that bad that I couldn't see. I ended up losing vision in my right eye. They thought I'd had a stroke. They didn't know what it was and they didn't know what was causing it all. But basically, I'd got swelling on my brain. I had a a central vein occlusion, which meant that I'd lost vision in my right eye. They ran the tests and ended up finding out that I'd got a Suzak syndrome. But nobody in the hospital had ever been seen with it before. Uh, My neurologist had never seen anyone with it. I've never heard of that. It's an autoimmune disease. So basically, it attacks your fine blood vessels. So my brain scan mirrors somebody with MS. So it causes swelling of the fine blood vessels. The reason I was getting headaches is because of all the swelling that was going on in my brain. Oh, gosh. They have to try and dampen down your immune system. So I was being pumped full of steroids. I was just, I was high as a kite in hospital. So I didn't really know what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing uh, with autoimmune disease, it's it's horrible because you need, we all need an immune system, don't we, to fight off illness. And if they had to lower your immune to fight this disease it's kind of the, the the fighting one thing but i guess opening the floodgates for any other germs other, other diseases bacteria yeah. other diseases to come in and take hold that must have been a, 
like, how long did it go on for that period of, of waiting to find out? Uh, well, I was in hospital for eight weeks. I think I got diagnosed quite early on in the eight weeks. I remember having all students come in trying to guess what was wrong with me at the time. How is life different for you now? Is there certain things you can't do? I used to do a lot of driving. I used to like going far. I used to like going visiting friends. Everything exhausts me. I only work four and a half hours a day, but even that is, that, that's hard work. When it comes to, you know, your self-esteem, your confidence and relationships, how, how's things different now to then? I don't have a lot of self-confidence. I've not seen a lot of my family for a long time because I've put so much weight on through the tablets that I'm on. Basically, I'm on antidepressants and I'm also on something to help with my headaches. But they, they're all weight-gaining medications. I can't do the exercise because of the fatigue. It's in my head. I don't like, you know, like I used to be a size 12, probably about size 16 now. I don't feel confident in people seeing me because I don't look like I used to look. How do you handle the not knowing? It's like, probably going to get upset, sorry. No, don't they be don't sorry. Know you, you know, like, they don't, they don't know your life expectancy. And it's, it's hard because the illness is too new for them to know how long somebody can live with it. And it's like I'm taking chemotherapy drugs every day to dampen my immune system. But what are they doing to me? Maybe someone's listening who can, you know point us in the right direction if anyone gets in touch we'll absolutely pass them on to you but there's got to be in this day and age someone who knows what to do and how to help there's got to be surely when I was diagnosed there was about I mean I was I got told there was number 305 in the world to be diagnosed with it but still now on Google if you Google it there's only 500 reported cases roughly in the world we don't know what causes it. The two people I've spoken to had had a traumatic time in their lives. So whether it's trauma, I don't know. I just don't mm. know what causes it. But yeah, it stress trauma and trauma because... brings... They said the reason my dad had his heart attack was through stress. There's nothing worse than taking a toll on the, the physical sides of the body and the mental sides than someone who's constantly under stress or experiences a trauma. I'm hoping with research and as the years go on, somebody one day will find out what causes it. This sounds like a really like lonely position to be put in, especially because you said there's not many people with it. But I'm just wondering, like, is there anything in life that you do draw like great joy from? Yeah, I've got a horse. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I used to horse ride as a, as a kid. Um, and when I turned, I think it was 2017, I went, I'm, I need to start riding again. So I stupidly decided to loan an ex-race horse and she was mental, but... Um, <laughs> But I loved it and uh, she's everything. I get a bit emotional when I talk about her because she is absolutely everything to me and I, I love her to pits. If anyone has any advice, we will pass it on to you. Um, but thank yeah, you. Yeah, and if anybody gets in touch that's got it, I'd be really grateful, you know. Thank you, Rihanna. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks, babe. Thanks, Rihanna. Bye. You're brilliant. I've never done anything like this before, so I actually hope it's interesting. Wait, no, wait, listen, <laughs> yeah. it will be. I'm looking it forward will to be. it. And if it's not... No one needs to hear about it. It's only us. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so next we have Sarah. Welcome to the Overshare. Thank you for joining us. Hi, yeah. We're Thank talking um, life curveballs, Sarah. So what yeah. happened to you a couple of years ago? Right. So basically I was with my ex-husband. Well, he's now my ex-husband. Um, I was with him from being 16, um, knew him from being 13, and literally we were best friends, had a fantastic relationship. 
uh, got married, had three children, had two very good jobs, had a beautiful house, lovely lifestyle, and we were literally best friends. And then about four years ago, his behaviour started changing. Um, and I literally, you have a gut instinct, don't you? Something's going amiss. Mm. And despite me asking him multiple questions, trying to find out what was going on over a two and a half year period, he continued to deny affairs or that anything was wrong, but was very, very good at knocking me down, chipping away at me, and basically turning into a human being that I didn't even know. And it actually was then a year and a half ago, I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I had to make that decision. Do I actually leave my best friend, my soulmate, the person I had been with for 22 years? We had a brilliant family. Should I walk away? Because I was actually on the verge of suicide as well and I actually decided to walk away and literally two months later that's when I started to realize that this person was not the person I thought multiple affairs ferrying money aside um using money out of our joint account to feed his affairs um and actually he turned out to be a textbook narcissist and basically for the last year and a half I have had to claw my way back to realizing it was the best thing I have ever done walking away from my marriage Mm. and finding myself again for doing what he's done is unforgivable I'm I'm proud that you've walked away because I know it must have been especially with children involved it's everything's a lot harder to do but you, you've not got together when you were 16. You've known him since you were 13. Yeah. Abby here's our, the, our expert. Someone, so he's essentially changed, Abby, whilst in the relationship. Because surely at age 13, you don't know how to be a narcissist. You don't know how to manipulate. I think it's hard when, when someone's 13. I think it's difficult to know like what stage of development that child's mm. at. So everyone's different. So there's a possibility that, you know, that was there at that point... We can't know that for sure. And, you know, things may have happened along the way that he's learned, you know, I can get away with this and there aren't any consequences to it. And then it can get a bit addictive, can't it? If you can get away with something, just keep doing it. Are your children aware of what's happened? So so the children, I've tried to be very honest with them. Um, Unfortunately, their dad decided that the way to introduce his new girlfriend that he was having an affair with was to introduce our children to her while he was still with me we have 50 50 custody I have said you know he's your dad you see him you make up your own decisions they've seen me start to turn things around Mm. and I think they're now realizing actually mum is actually resilient gonna be okay yeah yeah I'd be mortified if the only secret I'd want my kids to keep from me is what the dad and them are getting me for my birthday or if they're planning a surprise. If I'd known, you know, that Gorka had said to me, don't tell mummy, this is such a body. You're putting a lot of responsibility and stress on your child just to keep your dirty secret. And I always think it's 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 like you're cheating on your child. I always think if you cheat on your partner, you're also cheating on your family. You're, You're throwing... Throwing everything away. 
And for this this other lady, I mean, yeah. I, if I was her, yeah. I'd be thinking if a man's prepared to walk away from 22 years and three kids and mess around, what's it going to be like with me? Yeah, because there's that saying, if you marry a man who cheats on his wife, you're married to a man who cheats on his wife. It has actually been the best thing that has ever happened to me in a weird sort of way, even though it was, it's was, it been the most horrific, horrific situation. I now, I didn't know how to do anything around the house. I now decorate, I do DIY, I do all my bills. I, yeah, I genuinely feel like I'm living my best life. <laughs> you learn a lot um, about yourself when, you ha- when you're faced with a challenge whereby yeah. you have to put on a face, you have to be there for the kids. You're kind of alone. You learn a lot about yourself and your resilience and what you're prepared to accept moving forward from from your life and your partner. Definitely. What would happen? Are you open to to dating anyone else? Well, I am actually. I met somebody which was really, really not planned (laughs) at all. But you know, again, when you want a bit of a giggle. Yeah. And we all know these dating websites can be a bit of a giggle. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And very unexpectedly met somebody however he's not met my children I've not met his it's just time for for me I don't know what the future holds but I'm having a really lovely time you inspire me Gemma on Instagram I'm there with my weights now I'm literally going for for it yeah. yeah, the revenge body is coming on sweetly. It's <laughs> That's the thing. You either have a heartbreak diet where you just feel dead weak and, oh, I can't eat anything, or you think yeah. bollocks to you. I'm going to show you what yeah. you're missing, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Sex, weights and protein shakes. That's- <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure you've inspired you. so many people. If anyone's yeah. in a row or you don't have to tolerate being yeah. treated that way, get out Absolutely. and uh, get moving forward like you've it, it, done. Whatever you think is the most horrendous situation and you think I really can't leave or I don't know how I'd survive all I would say is yes you can thank Thank you for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and that's it another one done thank you so much to all of our guests I know it's um, it's not always easy coming on and sharing such um, such personal life situations. So thank you. And also thank you if you sent a story in for this episode. Matt had loads and loads through. And his hardest job is always deciding which story to go with. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're well aware this series would be very empty without you guys being so honest. And willing to come on and talk to us. As ever, please do let us know what you think. There'll be a review section wherever you got this pod from. And you can drop us a message whenever you want as well. You can WhatsApp us. We're on 0761-039-898. Or you can email us, theovershare at bowermedia.co.uk. Thank you to Abby, who, by the way, this is how you can reach Abby if you want to. Abby, go on, give, give us your social handles, Abby. What's your Instagram? My Instagram is Abby Blaze. Perfect. So if you want any advice, tips, relationships, you want to meet your perfect match, check out Abby's socials. The Overshare was produced by Matt Foister for Bauer Media. And if you're listening to the episodes in order, still to come this series, the most horrifying first dates you will ever hear. You do not want to miss that episode. We'll see you next time. Okay. So good. <laughs> yeah. It's been an interesting time. <laughs> it sounds like it. It's a book, is what you've got there. <laughs>